Hello there. Welcome to my publication, Princess and the Pea Survivor Edition, where we talk about healing from trauma, life's sometimes seemingly impossible tests, and how all of these challenges impact our relationships with others. Thanks for being here. My name is Faith Christine Bergevin. You can call me Faith. On today's podcast, we explore dance and movement and how these activities can help with healing. I share about my first foray into ecstatic dance. Listen to hear how what started as a sleepy, unassuming Sunday morning led to new insights about my own process and where we can go from here. A body in motion on healing through movement. Quote, whatever theoretical model may be adopted, do not believe it is the whole. The whole can only be the person, the one teaching, and the one moving in an atmosphere of mutual trust. End quote. By Mary Stark's White House. I tried ecstatic dance on Sunday for the first time. My small city is funny in its eclecticism. On the one hand, it's a conservative government town on the southern tip of Vancouver Island, surrounded by water on three sides. Citizens here have a regular dress code of fuzzy fleeces and yoga pants, at least for women, to offset the ocean cold. To say it's casual here is an understatement. I often stick out with my black wool wrap cape I bought in the 90s in Toronto, where business dress is the norm. On the other hand, there are pockets of subcultures in which you can find just about anything. Ocean swimmers in January, the university crowd, and dance of various styles, including Dance Temple, where I found myself on a Sunday morning recently. I'd heard about Dance Temple three years ago, pre-pandemic, from a man who I'd been seeing while still in a post-assault haze. I really had no business dating, but I thought I was fine and all I had to do was move on, date a nice guy, and overall get over it. Ridiculous to think about it now. I was not ready to date. I felt a certain split in how I presented myself. As an educated graduate student with a full and interesting life, and really, I was just someone who was hurting a lot and focused on keeping all the pieces of my life together. This man tried hard to date me while showing he also respected me as he insisted on reading my rather long master's project thesis. In fact, he remains one of the few who actually read it. When he told me about this dance event, Dance Temple, I was intrigued, but I never made it there due to my ending things with him after some iffy behavior, and then I forgot about it. Dance Temple. But a couple of weeks ago, a new friend suggested it, and there I was this past Sunday morning, bleary-eyed and ready to go. The funny thing was this hall is the same one I do ballroom and swing dance on some Friday nights. Even so, the vibe was completely different on this morning. New age music played, a range of ages from 20 to 60-year-olds moved about in the darkened room with fairy lights strung in strands across the ceiling while a Buddha image was hung in the center of the stage. A Christmas tree with white lights stood in the far right corner. 
a bright beacon for this dance whose theme was a celebration of winter solstice. I spotted my friend, greeted her, and settled onto the floor. I looked around at the people near me and started to move as they were already engaged in their own movement practice. At first, unsure of what to start with, I did yoga, some sun salutations and downward dogs to open myself up. But that soon felt too organized and rehearsed, so I abandoned the poses and focused inward. Soon, I heard the facilitator speak from somewhere in the dimly lit room, welcoming us. She turned up the volume on the deep rhythmic music that played, then offered an intention. Feel your feet, she said, and awaken into your body. As you do, focus on your heart. Now, ask yourself, what is your longing today? Then the music blared and stomping ensued. People moved about, some staying in place and others circling randomly around the room. There were probably about 200 people by this point. It was crowded. At times it was hard to move completely free due to the erratic movements coming from the body swirling around me. In the center of motion, I closed my eyes and focused inward. What is my longing? I moved my body, allowing the music to guide me, to inspire me, and invited the question to circle within me. The clouds in my mind began to part. Even as I didn't force any thoughts, I remained in the moment, in my body as I moved in ways that felt good to me. Insights began to crystallize that were striking in their clarity. One thought that emerged was about rules, the rules I still lived with, Rules that were not mine, but seemed to bubble up from a long past place. They were the rules of my mother about who I was, what I was supposed to do with my body, who I was allowed to be with, how I was supposed to be. The memory of the extreme religious phase she forced on me in my teens came and went, reminding me of the rigidity I'd lived with while trying to please a never-pleased mother. I was surprised at that. I thought I'd processed these memories long ago. They flitted in and out, showing me work I still had to do. As the rules showed themselves to me while I moved my body, I asked myself, how do I want to live? And as I watched the ecstatic expressions of those around me, I felt a freedom to be as I am, not an image of how I'm supposed to be. Refusing to remain in a box of expectations, I felt myself question the rules that still remained. I no longer wanted to live from a set of rules from before, not from others, whether my mother or another. I asked myself, what are my rules? See, when I dated the man who hurt me, I had no rules. I was so excited to finally have time to date as my degree was coming to an end that I just went along for the ride enjoying myself as I had not done before. I didn't want rules. I wanted to live and I embraced the opportunities in front of me. There were many things I did not know as someone who had not dated much in my 20s, who essentially went from dating my boyfriend of seven years from the age of 17 to dating the man who had become my husband for the almost next 19 years. I did not understand dating, not at all. 
After the traumatic event, as I was reeling from what happened, I read all I could about dating and red flags and the rules of dating because there was no way I was ever going to put myself in such a position again. But I've noticed an emergence of a new order of rules, some old ones from my mother and some new ones from countless experts online. As I moved my body on Sunday, I realized I didn't want any more rules in my life. Yes, to standards of behavior I will accept. Yes, to codes of conduct in how I want to interact. But no more rules. And as the concept of the rules passed through me, another idea emerged from the deep throb of the music soaring through my body in an ecstasy of dance among these strangers. Dance movement therapy. In the early 20th century, a woman named Mary Chase used dance to help psychiatric patients who had lost their ability to speak. She used movement as a way to compassionately connect with these deeply troubled people so they could be drawn out of their profound isolation. She helped them find their voice after trauma, although it wasn't called that then. Other research has shown how dance and movement promotes agency and community. In fact, during my graduate program, I chose to study dance and movement therapy for a group counseling project and led a class in movement and dance. For my final major project of the course, I created a group program that incorporated dance and movement and writing. My professor wrote in the comments that he hoped I'd get to run it someday. In that hall, dancing with many others, I felt dance and movement still calling to me. I love dance and movement has helped me heal. It makes sense since trauma is stored in the body. Movement and body work has been a core element of my own personal healing these past few years, whether through yoga, massage therapy, or dance, and whether that be partnered or solo. Life's tests. Can I really start yet another new endeavor? <laughs> I mean, I have a growing therapy practice. I have two children to raise. I write here and I'm working on a memoir. But then life keeps saying, what calls to you? What has helped you heal? How can you share what you've learned? Moving our bodies can take many forms. Not everyone wants to dance. Although it is part of our innate nature to enjoy music as we once were infants calmed by the rhythmic heartbeat of our mothers or caregivers. Movement is healthy and good for us in whatever way. Some people like to run or lift weights or do sports or do yoga, or some like to walk in nature. As we slide into this winter season, we enter a hibernation phase, the time of winter solstice. We naturally slow our movement in tune with the season. However you choose to celebrate this time of year, no matter your religion or traditions, I invite you to consider how you connect to yourself through your body. And as you do, I ask you, I invite you, what is your longing? And so it ends.
in keeping with tradition, when I have footnotes, um, I share these footnotes for our listeners who don't have the written essay in front of them. There are two footnotes. Um, they both come from my paper that I wrote in my group counseling course in graduate school. And my paper is called Dance Therapy and Writing, a Synergistic Pair for Group Counseling. And I did really well, not to brag. <laughs> Um, my first footnote references, um, let's see, talking about Mary Chase and how she used dance to help psychiatric patients who had lost their ability to speak. So the quote I'm using um, is from, let's see, F.J. Levi from 1988. And... Um, She's talking about Marion Chase that, and I quote, direct movement expression, she believed, could break through verbal defenses. Her belief that she could access parts of her patients' personalities that were still available and wanting to be heard and be well led her to develop a profound ability to use dance movement for self-expression and communication that enabled her to draw them out of their psychotic isolation. End quote. And what I love about this is it really speaks to the compassion of Marion Chase about um, how she was able to speak to people who couldn't speak anymore. And I think that's quite beautiful to be able to use dance and movement to help people who have lost the ability to speak and those of us who have experienced trauma um, often know what that is to lose that ability to speak. My second footnote references other research, and this is from Bessel van der Kolk's 20, 2014 book, The Body Keeps the Score. It's kind of becoming a seminal book about trauma. And he has a section near the end of the book about movement and I quote here, this is on page 355, I quote, athletics, playing music, dancing, and theatrical performances all promote agency and community. They also engage kids in novel challenges and unaccustomed roles, end quote. So he's talking about resilience. He's talking about being active and doing things with one's body in order to promote agency and community, which is part of healing from trauma. And I think that's a lovely thing to remember, right? We heal in community, and we also heal by connecting to our body and our experiences so that we can actually um, help create new neural pathways. There's so much great work being done in neuropsychology and, and learning about how the brain rewires itself and a lot of it is really being in, in tune with our bodies and moving our bodies so that we can create new pathways towards healing and move out of that frozen trauma, speechless part of ourselves. So that's the end of my piece, A Body in Motion. Um, if you'd like to learn more about my work, Please check me out on my Substack publication, Princess and the Pea Survivor Edition. 
And uh, if you subscribe, you'll have access to the latest articles on healing from trauma and how to deal with life's tests, because these will be delivered straight to your inbox. I hope you are well, and uh, thank you for joining me here today.